1: Um, now let's get into the game, shall we? Panthers defeat Manly 24-12. I spoke about this last week, but really strange game from a Manly's perspective because if you said Pan- Panthers beat Manly 24-12, you'd go, mate, great performance. like Really well done from Manly. They, they, they kept them low, scoring of 24 points. But if you actually watch the game... I'd argue it was a missed opportunity for Manly. I thought, I thought Penrith were there to be beaten. I don't think Penrith played anywhere near as good as they you know, usually do. Now, is it because Manly played such, not such unique footy, but they were willing to spread the ball quite a bit? Is that why they didn't play well? Is that Penrith's kryptonite? I do think there are a lot of clubs watching right now going, hey, maybe there is something to it. So I'm, I'm quite torn as to how I feel about the Manly performance because I do feel like if they had have been a little bit more conservative at times – they actually may have been able to beat uh, Manly. On top of that, one of the, at least one of the Penrith tries definitely wasn't a try, Liam Martin, knock on. So you can't, I can't be too harsh on Manly, but at the same time, I do think they missed a little bit of an opportunity. What do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, I think they did miss a
2: bit of an opportunity, but
1: I, I don't know, I've had a lot of
2: people message me over the weekend saying, oh, we found the way- how to beat Penrith.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm sure. not convinced. Yeah. I'm so far
2: from convinced. I think there is stuff to, to
1: take them. out of it for sure. Yep. But a way to beat them, I'm not convinced.
2: Yeah. And I also think, like, you've got to remember with this Penrith side, Spencer Lenny wasn't there. Jerome Louis wasn't there. Mm. They moved Stephen Crichton from right centre. Mitch Kenny wasn't centre. there. Mitch Kenny wasn't there. Was that Tungo? Tungo, like, that's half your spine gone. Mm. I just, and yes, mainly they were able to move the ball around early. But, Jeez, when you do that, you open the door for more errors in your game and if you let Penrith just stay down your end which which is what you open yourself up to that game can be done and dusted very quickly. I also think that yeah there, there was controversial uh decisions and everything but I also thought there was a there was a moment in this game where Penrith were coming out of their own end, they're on the left-hand side and Penrith with every single set they do coming out of their own end they go through the middle. There was a moment there where Jack Cogger got into dummy half and he went down the short side. It's a little bit of space there. But if that was Jerome Lewis and one, they stick to the game plan. They go through the, through the middle. He throws the pass out to Stephen Crichton, who was mm. offside in front of the play the ball. And that turned the momentum mm. straight away as well. I just, I think that if you didn't have Jack Cogger there in that moment, for example, they stick to their game plan like they have for the last three years straight, <coughs> go through the middle. So I just, I'm so far from convinced we've found a weakness. And I I personally think, Kempi, they this Penrith side, they're treading water. Mm. They can see September and they know that's mm. what matters.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I... I I do think that there are some things you can look at and go, you know, there is a bit of room on the edges there and their defence, you know, does compress up quite a bit, the Penrith side. But, yeah, I don't believe, like, people go, oh, yeah, there's a way, you know, we know how to beat Panthers now. It's like, well, you didn't, though. <laughs> it's like, no. still didn't. Even with Penrith not playing well, missing <laughs> half their spine. I will say as well, it shows you from a Penrith perspective how important Jerome the is to that side and Mitch Kenny as well. They didn't look anywhere near the lethal side they are. And also... You know, I think Cogger. You know, he's he's a seven. He's not a six. Uh, what do you think about the game, Timmy?
3: I love this approach to it and using the ball early, and it tied into the fact that they were missing so many key middles, and that was the worry. This game, you and Penrith is going to belt them through the middle. They went, all right, we'll throw something different at them. They had like they had Lodge missing, Paseka missing, a few others there, so. There was a Stephen Crichton intercept try early on in the game. There was that controversial one following the Liam Martin just before half time. They were the two first half tries that, I mean, they were there. It is what it is. But, you know, could have gone the other way. Penrith, oh, sorry, mainly using the footy. We've spoken about it on the podcast before, and God, no one has a way of beating the Penrith Panthers, but. I think the early kicks and turning them around and not letting Edwards and Brian Totto and that fly off the, their line, get all that momentum, get the quick play, the ball, turning around the early kicks. I like what they did. And look, they didn't get the win. And yeah, Kempy, in a lot of ways, there probably was a missed opportunity to win this game for Manly. But the fact that we're even having that conversation, I'm like, well, mm. oh, they've done something right.
1: Do you think that – so you think that it was Manly playing really well rather than Penrith playing poorly? I think it was a combination of both.
0: Mm.
3: But – I think we saw a game plan from Manly to particularly get at Zach Hosking out at centre. They saw an opportunity there. They went at him. They had success a couple of times. They, you know, they had their linebacks. They looked dangerous. They looked threatening. And they were in this game. I think we've, we don't forget how good Penrith are, but I think we can be very critical of teams quite often that lose to Penrith by whatever the margin is because of how goddamn good they are. They lost to Penrith by 12 points with a bunch of their middles out and Tom Troboevich. I think they can hold their heads pretty high after that game.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm, as I said, I'm really torn. I'm really torn because some of the errors that they made um, in key moments, I, I just think there was an opportunity that I think that Penrith turned up missing quite a lot of players and they were just nowhere near their their, their best. You know, when I spoke about it last week, but e- even some of the chat before the game from Seabold about, you know, we, we basically we can't beat him in arm wrestle so we just need to play expensive footy. Mm. I just didn't like that mindset going in. I don't know... I don't know any 17 players in the NRL that can't beat another 17 players. Like, this is rugby league. Like Penrith are good, but they're not gods. They're not gods. They're human beings. They're people. Mm. Um, it just takes 80 minutes, a couple of sin bins, a couple of bad calls, whatever it is. I mean, you could argue from Manly's perspective, a couple of tough calls against them, they lost the game. Um, and so I, I just didn't – I like the tactics, but I didn't like the mindset of we just almost can't beat them in arm wrestle. You know, if Dolphins said that before, they played Roosters in round one, I don't think that's the right mindset, and they didn't. They came out and they, they actually ground Roosters out of the game. If Queensland had a set in 2020, they would have got beaten, but they didn't. They had certain tactics, but I don't think they Queensland going into that series ever said, oh, they're just so much better than us.
3: That Brookie Oval of all places, the fortress.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I was, well, That's why I say it's a mixed bag for me. I do believe tactically there were some really good things to look at, but at the same time... There was other areas where I'm like, I just don't know if I agree with that.
2: And for me, I think that's the frustrating thing about those comments.
1: Like, you've got the most experienced halfback in rugby league. And Jack Trevojevich in your forward pack. Like, what do you mean you can't beat them? In, in an arm wrestle. It's like, yep. should, I, I personally believe any professional outfit in the NRL can beat anyone in any style. Now, the likelihood may be less, but to say that you essentially can't, I just, I don't agree with that. I think any team... Like put it this way: Like the Tigers, you know, the Tigers are at the bottom of the table. Are you telling me? I mean, the Tigers did beat Penrith. I know they were missing a couple of players, but doesn't that show you something that the Tigers beat Penrith and they were missing what Cleary? Could you go back and get the team list, please?
2: I'd love to hear what Manly fans think. Like for a Manly coach to say that they don't think they can win at Brookvale
1: in an arm wrestle, specifically, in an arm. sure, in an arm. And like he, he didn't specifically Steel. say we can't. He might have said we can't beat him or. Essentially implied that
2: Yeah I don't know I am i don't love that personally. Yeah I, I
1: don't love that If Mike Put it this way if, if my coach come out And said that Like the Bronx, I'd be like What Absolutely can
3: uh, So when Tigers beat Penrith Penrith are basically Full strength Like Cleary was playing Lewis I playing Like they're all playing It was in the Absolute Bold yeah. It was the yeah. rain it was still was it t- yeah, no, yeah, They're sure. both playing yeah. Shit weather They're one of the great levelers, but yeah, correct. It was like, out in uh, Tamworth, somewhere out west.
1: Yeah, I, they're both playing in shit weather. And if anything, you would say the team that wins arm wrestles mm. should dominate that game. Yep. So fucking, as I any team can beat any team on any day. Like, yes, Penrith are definitely favourites. It is clear they're favourites. They are absolutely incredible at what they're doing, but they're human beings. They make mistakes just like everyone else. Um, <laughs> I, I really do believe they're getting this kind of like, and I think, like, on the weekend, maybe it brought them down a little bit. Not not personally, as in outwards looking in, but they are getting an aura of, like, Mike Tyson, where they're going into games where people are already beaten, going, oh, my God, this is good. But, I, yeah, I think they're, they're definitely um, beatable. Every and, team is.
2: And that was, you know, very similar. You go back, you know, 10 years ago. That was the Melbourne storm. Mm. You couldn't beat them. And then all of a sudden the Sharkies went down and they went, Oh fuck these guys. We're yeah. not showing them any respect. Yeah. You know, people bagged him for it. I thought it was fair and play on. Like, even when Michael Ennis, you know, rubbed Cameron Smith on the head or whatever. If you're out in the field, it's a contest. Yeah, you're trying to win for go games. at it. Yeah, and t- no one would have loved that more than Cam Smith. No one would have appreciated that more than
3: Cam. Add, Smith. Add I'm in like. as well, Brad Parker starting center, Ben Traubovich starting back roller. Mm. They played 40 minutes each and both left field with failed HIAs. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: So, oh, as I said, I, I definitely not bad from Manly. Like it's it's. I'd probably lean towards I'd. It's a satisfactory outing. I just think that, fuck, that was an opportunity. It just was an opportunity. A huge win, heaps of confidence, get the boys back eventually. I know Lodge is out for the rest of the season. Um, I just thought
2: throughout that game as well. I know they went in with that game plan, but there was just a couple of occasions where they just overdid it.
1: Oh, yeah. For no reason. And that's that's a concern with communication. Where why are the players thinking they need to kick on first tackle?
2: Well, that like, like he, he takes that intercepts, and you know, that, it, like that, that that play sums up Josh Schuster for me. He's so talented that he can take an intercept on Nathan Cleary, mm. gets down the other end, and like it was just a nothing play. That
3: was his whole. You got the two fastest in one footballers
2: play. in the game on the right hand side. <laughs> he kicked to the left corner.
1: And Brad, like, Parker. if you're going to
2: kick at the wrong time, which even if he kicked right, it's still the wrong play. But kick, Brad Parker couldn't keep up with him the line. Yeah.
1: Get the catch. I mean, I love Brad, but he's probably one of the slowest centres to mm. the competition For sure, but you're not picking Brad Parker
2: for his speed. No, you're so picking him for I'm his toughness. For yeah. The two track athletes on the yeah. other side of the I field, yeah. which if you get yeah. tackled and you spread the ball,
3: mm. you're in then. Yeah, it was, that moment was incredible. And Ruben Garrick's force and backs kick oh. off the kick return just sends it back down. I don't know if they spoke about it in the press, like what happened. He had to be going for the 2040, didn't he? Like what?
1: No, Saab was running. Saab was ready. Oh, Saab it was a premeditated was just... play. Oh my god! What but
3: Edwards he... was back
1: there. Oh, no. Yeah. Didn't Didn't Latrell
2: do that in that crazy game last year? It just Maddie. It sort of just got lost. Remember in the South was the South Roosters game last year? Latrell did a similar thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, they he did. But then that's because it right. was
2: fifteen fights, no one ever spoke about it. Latrell did the same thing last mm. year. Just picked it up, kicked. It straight I think
1: Latrell's and... was a little bit different though because they were under the pump. Like the, it was such an yeah, aggressive right, okay. game, the line yeah. speed. So Chol was just going, you know what? Let's just break up this rhythm. Yeah, but I think Garrick's was more along the lines of the coach has said to them all, boys, just play fuck at footy.
3: That yeah. Yeah, the play there was fine in theory and like quite like inventive. It was great. It's not the right time like, right. You like need Edwards if, in the line yeah, If Edwards in the line yeah. And you get Sarb full pace sweeps, It's yeah. not the time
1: <laughs> And so I, I have a lot of admiration For Them You know Trying these things And You know Really going to the game For sure um, But as I said, it's just a mixed bag for me. It's a really mixed bag. You can look at it one way and go, 24-12 against the Panthers. Fucking well done, boys. You got multiple forwards out. You really risked it. You didn't go conservative. But then you can look at the other side and go, geez, if you just cleaned up a few things here or there, that's a win. That's a win. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Manly first. Um, I thought Sipley was good. I really did. Yep. Ironically, I actually thought their, their forwards were good. Like, I, I didn't watch that game and go, wow, Panthers forwards are just completely dominating. I thought the Manly forwards are quite good.
2: I, I think, though, that it was, sorry, without talking about Panthers, I thought it was very evident. You could see just how important Mitch Kenny is in defence. Oh, massive. Luke Summerton made his debut, and he's been doing very well in the New South Wales Cup. But you could see very early in that game, defensively, he was in a bit of trouble coming through the middle. And Manly picked that out as well. And I think it was that that set where uh, Toa simply scored. I think they, they rented him. Almost three tackles uh, mm. um, on the trot there that made life very difficult. But once again, just made me sit there and go, you know what? Mitch Kenny might not be the most talented in attack. He might be slow at a dummy half. But if you're not conceding points, who gives a fuck?
1: And also, we, we forget, like, there's two sides to the games, attack and defence. Yep. If you're one of the best defensive, if not the best defensive <laughs> knight in the comp, that's the same as being the best attacking knight in the comp. And we, we praise Api Apikorosau, and rightly so. He's unbelievably talented. But Mitch Kenny, he's the, he's the most underrated nine in the competition by far. Now, is he as good as Harry Grant? No, he's not. But what he offers that team, it's it's unbelievable the fact that he's gone from a utility forward to the starting nine that's needed in one of the best teams we've ever seen.
2: And when I'm watching Penrith at the end of last year, when Appy's not on the field, and Mitch Kenny's on. I'm comparing him to Appy, going, "My God, he is so slow. This is mm. so frustrating." And I'm also comparing him to a guy as Appy that is just never makes the wrong decision. Mm. Now you're comparing him to your Sonny's, Luke Summerton's, the less experienced guys who, yes, they might be, you know, Mitch Kenny might not be the fastest, his service might not be perfect, but very rarely do I sit there and go, oh, Mitch Kenny should have given it there. Yeah, wrong decision. Wrong decision. He makes the right call. It all might the time. be half a second slower, mm. but you're making the right decision.
1: Um, and as, as I was saying, in regards to, you know, the grind side of things, Mainly missed less tackles than, yeah. than Penrith. Mm-hmm. So I, I, just, I think they should have more belief in that fact that they can grind. Like they beat the Storm by bashing the fuck out of their middle. Yeah. And I know they're missing you know, two forwards. I get that. But I still look at this side and go, you know, <clears throat> Sipley at his best has a, so much potential. He's a big mobile body. Sean Kepi, he's had some really good games in his career, some really good games in his career. Um, obviously, Ola Kawatu was outstanding uh, and then Jake Jovojevic at 13. Ben Jovojevic, a rookie, obviously. But Jake Jovojevic at 13. Like, he's one of the best in the comp. Like That starting forward pack, that's a solid forward pack to me. It really is, especially if you've got DCE directing it.
2: I was really really happy to see uh, Ola Kawatu take himself to this game. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing I, I've sort of – leading into Origin, I thought, geez, he's doing it every week. This is great. Then he dropped off for five or six weeks, and these are the sort of games that I wonder, is he going to stand up or not? Like, he really went after it in this mm. game. He mm. was
3: fantastic. Talk about one blokes just – Likes to stand up in big games Very big game mainly playing for a final spot DCE Comes in Three line yeah. assists It so was tremendous good. Especially in that first half Really took it to Penrith Like They said they were playing expensively. It was all Chez getting the ball And just fanging it out wide yep. Just loves a big game Yeah
1: and, and that's another thing That I was surprised at You know The idea that you couldn't Arm wrestle him Like that's exactly What <clears> DCE, <throat> DCE has done to Cleary yeah. In origin is, is kick him out of the game Yeah When with You know So um. So I try to lean towards the positive side of like, I think they'll take a lot of confidence out of that. I think that maybe they might look at it and go, look, there are some things we can take from this. Maybe we do need to spread the ball a little more. Maybe we need to hit three in defenders and keep going down corridors. Um, I I thought, uh, yeah, the Schuster situation, um, it's just getting tough because I just don't know whether, well, he's going to be back row next year. And so I just, does he, is he feeling like he's in games for long enough? Does he feel it? Joey, Joey said in
3: commentary on Thursday night, Manly's season, are they done now? Do you put, is it a line through them? Yeah, or I think so. If you're putting a line through them and what they obviously need to win their next three, hope results go their way, maybe, it's, maybe they're a bit more chance than that. But Brooks is coming next year, he's going to partner DCA, do you put him in the back row now? They need an edge back row like Benny Travois. Yeah. He'll probably be out again. It's not about a do, shout. Do you. Just go, let's get him three, four game, three games under his belt to finish the season on the edge, get those combos going again, and get him time back in the forward pack. Like to challenge nothing. him. You don't really have anything to lose, do you?
1: Yeah. And challenge him, too. And mm. say, you know, mate, you're a back row now. Mm. We want to see, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game. We want to see defensively getting, you know, your shoulder in into all the tackle and, you know, Every tackle. Yeah,
3: I don't think you've got anything to lose. You can get a bit of time under the belt of whether it's KO Weeks or Jake Arthur, whatever your backup halfback is yeah. going to be.
1: Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, I guess when I watch the game, though, I just wonder, does, is, does Schuster like it? Is Schuster going to embrace that back row, back row next year? And was it more the fact that he was so good in back row for that first year, it was more because he was a rookie and he was really hungry? And has he lost that hunger? I I'm not sure because I watch him at six and I, it doesn't seem to me like he's embracing the physicality of the game when he's the biggest six in the comp. You have to be, wouldn't you? have it? to be. And yet I don't, I don't watch at him in – the of all time. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't watch him and go, jeez, he's really using his physicality as a six. <laughs> he's using his yeah. silkiness.
3: What's interesting though is like – I don't remember him when he played on the edge with Manley. Granted, he was out inside uh, – sorry, Kieran Foran – but having terrible defensive lapses, I always Neither. thought he was solid enough. It was outstanding. And then when he made the move to 5'8", short's a little bit different. You're one man further out. You probably have to make a few more one-on-one tackles. But it's not that different. And, yeah, it just seemingly has just gone downhill defensively so much since he's gone to the halves. Is it a compliment to Foz? It's a massive compliment to Foz. we we'll look at Fafita. He's anything? done the same for Fafita. And I, was, I didn't get into doing it, but I wanted to go back and look at – just Foz's result and the impact he had defensively with, it's a fair bit of digging to do, but (laughs) uh, with the edge back rowers at his previous clubs Mm. and what that sort of looked like because it's a huge compliment to Foz. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, You just
2: mentioned there maybe moving shoes to the edge, like, if their season is gone, just I'd love to see them start to get some of these younger guys mm. in. Like they've, they've they've got this hooker there, uh, GM Jam yeah. Tong. I'd mm. love to see him given an opportunity. Yeah.
3: He grabs uh, on him, eh? Hey. Good in your yeah. card.
2: Great yeah, great in the trials. Like, yeah. And great like, in the trials. Lockie Croker does a fantastic job for you, but like if you were to get to pre season <laughs> next year and Lockie Croker was to go down, hooker hasn't played yeah. first grade yeah, yeah, good so call. take this
1: opportunity. And also, you know, uh, we've I think we're finding more and more that, that hooker rotation is becoming Almost, and if Harry Grant is getting rotated, <laughs> yeah. then it's unless you're, you know, Blake Braley, who seems to be one of those guys that has a real steady pace. But outside of that, I don't really see players needing to play eighty in, in the hooking role. I think the game's too big, too fast, too explosive to to cop that. Um, you know, maybe even Blake Braley could use a use a spell. Maybe that would improve his game, even though he's outstanding on the weekend. I just think that maybe it's like the Tamalolo effect. Remember how Tame came through as a 13 and everyone just said, oh, we need front rowers at 13. And I think Cameron Smith has done that with the nine roll where it's like, we absolutely need you to play 80, otherwise you're not considered a top-tier hooker. I just think the game's changed so much. I, I think you're better off running with the utility on the bench. That, Like Mitch Kenny, for example, I know he's become the starting hooker, but a guy that could just come in, tackle his ass off, and good, good service, that's it. And then give your explosive players you know, rest so that when they do come back on, they are just... Full pull, full ball the whole time. Um, because we saw what happened to Harry Grant. He was he completely changed the momentum of the game. Um, yeah, so back to the.
3: Uh, do the Bunnies the, do that with Havili and Cook? Like, we know Cook and he's a gun. Yeah. Just on the other, I'm not saying it's the right or on the answer, whatever it is, but. And they trialed it when Havili came back from injury. Play Havili that first 20 and then just have Cookie coming to, to a
1: tiring pack, play
3: 60 straight and just
1: chops them to pieces. Well, well even if you go um, <laughs> Cookie first 30, Havili 10 and 10, like across the half, and then cooking the last 30, even if he did like that, just to give him that extra breathing room mm. to come back on and essentially be as fresh as he was at, you know, minute one towards yeah. the end of the game maybe. Um, Especially and
2: also, when Mamley in particular have got the advantage of having like a Jake Travore, who you know is going to play 80 minutes every week. Yeah. Like it, like you can then carry
1: a utility there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as I said I, – I, even though there, I had some issues with certain things, I would lean more towards a positive outing for the Manly Seagulls. Not great, but, you know, satisfactory. Now, to the Penrith Panthers, um, definitely one of their, not as, probably, obviously definitely not their worst performance of the year, but I would put in probably their bottom five performances this year. Uh, didn't look anywhere near as energetic as they usually look. Didn't look anywhere near as aggressive as they usually look. Uh, but... This is what great teams do. When they're not playing well, they still get the win. When they got a bunch of really, you know, not really unique, but tactics that you don't usually see getting thrown at them, they still find a way Mm -hmm. to get the job done. Uh, But I want to talk about Stephen Crichton. Uh, Very unlucky, obviously, not to get in the team of the week. But that intercept that he caught, it was just so well done because he did it in a way where he had the tackle covered – as well as the intercept, whereas a lot of the time they just go straight intercept and that's all they're worried about. Whereas he put himself in a position where, if they had of hit short, he would have been able to tackle. It would have been a, a quick play of the ball, but he still would have been able to make the tackle. It was super, super smart the way he did it, and he's the best interceptor in the game. And I'd put him up there with probably the best interceptor we've seen since what Freddie used to be really good at it.
2: Probably Girdler
3: Girdler yeah, Gerd.
1: Yeah. The Which other. The other left, left center, center, center for center. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So true. So true. So. At the very least, in the game right now, he's easily the best interceptor. And that is something that actually can really scare attacks and sevens because all of a sudden, not only do you have to worry about players jamming in, players sliding off, players doing whatever, then you have to worry about a friggin' intercept as well. It is a weapon to have in defense.
2: Yeah. And he like you would imagine every single ball player knows where he is mm. at all times. You'd think about it all week, but he's just too good at it.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: He j- it, it is very similar to what, what Gerds used to do And, you know, s- similar to Gerds Gerds used to do it to Freddie, to Joey, <laughs> to Breckham <laughs> He used to do
3: it to all of them He was an absolute Like, he used to go to Origin
2: and take two
0: Yeah Freak Yeah
3: Just game awareness, isn't it? Being able to read yeah. what's coming out uh, You said, Kim, the best thing about it was that He had the bloke on his inside covered if he played short
1: mm. Mate, it's... Uh, the amount of big plays he makes It is unbelievable um, Another bloke as well That I think that this is really key as to why Penrith is so good. You know, it's not like he had his best game of his career, but there was a moment where, I don't know who put the grubber through. It might have been, anyway, the, the nine for um, Penrith put a grubber through. Wasn't planned, wasn't pre-anything, and Leota is chasing, you know, full ball to get it. And I just think that, like, that's why they're great. Your front rower that's your dog that gets through all the tough work, a non-planned kick, and he somehow wins the race to it. That's why they're great. That's why they do what they do because they fucking compete on every single play all the time.
2: Mate, I I had a question on my Instagram the other day that I had a look at that was – someone said to me, do you think Ivan Cleary would be as successful if he was at another club? Mm. I sort of think it's an argument that I think a lot of people would say – a lot of people that are anti-Penrith would say, oh, it's just because he's at that club and they've got those guns. And you've made this point before. But I went back to Ivan Cleary's first ever game as coach of the Penrith Panthers, right? Fullback was Dylan Edwards, he was 30 games into his career. The wingers were Mansell and DWZ, both have left. The centres were Dean Vare and Wonga Blake, both have left. The 5'8 was James Maloney, who has mm. since left. So from that entire backline, all he's got left from, and this wasn't 10 years ago, this was 2019, is Edwards and Nathan Cleary, who are both now Clive Churchill medalists. Mm. So two, the yeah, two wow. that he's held on to, you get to the forward pack, James Tamu was gone, Wade Egan, who's gone, Mosley who who is still there. Harm Saleh and Isaiah Yeo were the edges. So not only has he turned Isaiah Yeo into a 13, he's turned him into the best 13. Mm. And then Fisher-Harris was at 13 in that game. His bench was Regan Campbell-Gillard, Jack Hetherington, Tyrell Philmaiano, and Jerome Lewa. So from that side, only five of them are still there. Yeah, wow. You think about all the guys that have left in that time as mm. well between Critter, Kickout, Burton, all these guys that he's brought through and made them what they are,
1: appy mm. It is unbelievable. And
0: yeah. that's
2: only 2019. That's
1: only five years ago. Yeah. And and to be really clear, Edwards was – I wouldn't say he was lucky to be playing first grade, but I reckon 15 out of the 16 coaches would have been looking for a fullback to replace Edwards at that stage of
0: his
3: Penrith career. Penrith fans were gunning for his head early on because he
2: Absolutely.
1: couldn't catch a ball. Absolutely. Could you
3: imagine
2: back then if you would have taken that back line and said, Edwards, Mantor, Dean Bartow, Wonga Blake, DWZ – Who's the one that's going to be here in five years' time? I think Edwards
1: would have been your last guess. I would argue, and I say this out of respect for how incredibly mentally tough he's been, I would argue he's got the least natural talent out of all those boys, but he's clearly got the most ticker, and fitness-wise, his ability to repeat efforts are second to maybe only Teddy.
2: I'd completely agree.
1: and That's a a testament to, to any young footballer out there but it's not always about talent. It's about fucking having to dig and working hard.
2: And on top of that, you think about you know the five years leading up to this. You could only win a comp if you had the big three, or yeah. if you had James fucking Maloney. <laughs> yeah. He lost James Maloney, and then went mm. to th- yeah. potentially four grand finals in a row.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah, so potentially four grand finals, and you know we have to remember even when they won their fir- even when they were in their first grand final, no one had Dylan Edwards in their top tier fullbacks. Oh. He he was not considered a top tier fullback. Um, yeah, so it's amazing what Ivan's done. And look, they'll move the goalposts and they'll say, yeah, that's just because of the development systems that have been put in place. Yeah, guess who was the coach when those development systems were getting put in place? He went away for a year or so and then he came back. It was Ivan Cleary.
2: Okay, have a look at those six guys that are still on the team. Dylan Edwards is a Clive Churchill medalist. Nathan Cleary is a Clive Churchill medalist. Moseley Otto might be the most underrated front row forward in rugby league. James Fisher-Harris is arguably the best front row forward in rugby league. Isaiah Yeo is arguably the best lock forward in rugby league. And then Jerome Lewat who's yep. done what he's done with Samari? He's been to three grand finals. He's won two prems. Like, it's incredible.
1: Mm. And I'd, I'd argue Moses Liotta's the best defensive front row in the game. Yeah, That, that grand final, he was snapping blokes.
2: And what's the thing you notice with all those guys come finals time, they
1: go to another level. Yeah, Yep. And it's, you know, as I Ivan Cleary, he went away for one year essentially, came back. So he has been, what, at the club since 2019, did you say? 18? He's returned
2: in 19, 19. Yeah. And
1: before that he was, what, 2014 or something? yeah. So just on top of that,
2: like, the the original question was, can he be successful anywhere else? 2018, the Tigers finished ninth. That's Mm. their best finish.
1: (laughs) Yep. And people people like to go, oh, you know, he signed all these, you know, players that were, you know, at the end of their career. But he was getting the best out of them. Yeah. You know, and go even further back, the most success the Warriors had well, not the most, because I know 2001 or whatever. But the Warriors were making finals under Ivan Cleary.
2: They
3: haven't been to the finals since Ivan Cleary.
1: Yeah. This will
2: be the first time they've gone to finals since 2011 yeah. when he was the coach.
3: Well, their best finish is two grand finals, 0-2 and 11. He was 11. So yeah. uh, he joined. He let, He was at Penrith from 2012 to 2015. Then he went to the Tigers for two years. Then he went back to Penrith in 19. Yeah.
1: So like that, 2012 to 15, that's when all those young boys would have been in the juniors coming through him saying, yep, yeah, this guy's good. This guy's so he's incredible. Um, and
2: obviously he would have been watching them week in, week out because of Nathan as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, another shout out, Taruva. Jeez. I'm such a fan of
0: Taruva. He is so... I just love how... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: waiting for him to make an error under a high ball or when he carries the ball because he, you know, a lot of the time, not a lot of time. Sometimes when you are playing NRL, you carry the ball with less vigor and venom because you don't want to drop it. So instead of going into the line, fucking fighting for everything, cause you're worried that it'll get stripped or you'll drop it. Whereas Taruva, he's fighting for every meter all the time on the weekend, 22 runs, 256 meters, seven tackle breaks, a line break, um, and just outstanding and he's still eligible for rookie of the year no one even thinks about that like and wing you could argue wing is not even position
0: he's a fullback